You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Next up on Destination Freedom. What good can an education do just one child? Sam, you say you're practical. We've got 17 children. I've counted them. Maybe education may one do something we'll all be glad for. Maybe one can help change things. Lord, it's a hard choice you give me to choose one and deny the others. We can spare one. There's Wilson, the oldest. He's mm-hmm. always had a knack for learning yes. things. And there's Julia. She, she just started now. Mm-hmm. And then there's Mac and John. And Farmer George. McLeod recounted and weighed his brood more carefully than he had ever done before. And he said, Then there's Mary. Mary? You always said she was different from the rest. Lord, I hope I've chosen right. I can't spare but one seed. Let this one bear fruit. It'll be Mary. In the morning it was Mary, scrubbed and starched, who started to trek to the new school with a caution from Farmer McLeod. You'll be the first in this family to get inside of school. We'll handle your part of the work. Make it worth our while. We're risking the farm on you for what I'm not sure yet. Sam, that's too big a burden to put on the child's shoulder. And ain't we assuming the, her load in the fields? Now go on, child. See if this risk is worth it. Oh, wow. Gone. Welcome to Destination Freedom Black Radio Days podcast, a copyrighted program of No Credits Production, LLC. I'm producer-director, Danielle Betts. One out of 17, the story of Mary Jane McLeod Bethune. She was one of 17 children. She was an American educator, stateswoman, philanthropist, humanist, womanist, and civil rights activist. Bethune founded Bethune-Cookman University, UNCF, National Council of Negro Women, Southern Conference for Human Welfare. Next on Destination Freedom, the story of Mary Jane McLeod Bethune, one out of 17. And now, Destination Freedom. Today, Destination Freedom tells the story of the great Southern educator, Mary McLeod Bethune, in a chapter titled, One Out of Seventeen. 
The year was 1935, and the new man in the White House was putting together a new deal. He puzzled over a name the First Lady had given him. Mr. Roosevelt called an aide. Uh, you, you, you called me, Mr. President? What do you know of a Mary McLeod Bethune? A Bethune? Never heard of her. No one knows anything of her except my wife. Eleanor insists that a Mrs. Mary McLeod Bethune be appointed to help direct education in the National Youth Administration. Well, I've got to know more about her. Uh, y yes, sir. Is she really such a good educator? That should be easy to Well, find out. we'll phone her. Yes, sir. Look up her record. Oh, uh, absolutely. Start from the beginning. Uh, we will. Don't leave out anything. Absolutely. Is that clear? Yes, yes. Very well, sir. But the secretary looked in the records of Columbia, Vassar, Chicago, and Ohio and found no trace of a Bethune or a Mary McLeod, for her life had begun 60 years earlier in South Carolina, where the scars of the Civil War were still fresh and bitter. In the McLeod family, there were 17 children. When the sun rose in the summer, it saw 17 hands working in the cotton fields, and farmer Sam McLeod made 18. Oh, Sam? Sam? Now, Ethel, how you expect us to get in the cotton when you want something every minute? You expect me to do the laundry and take it to the big house alone? Oh, I'm sorry. I, I reckon we can afford to let one of the young'uns stop and take the washing up to the big house. I hate to send them up there. That old master never forgets to take the war out on the children. Well, he hired us to do the washing, and, and we need the cash. Now, we got to find a way to pay for this farm. Which child can we send? Which? Oh, well, let's see. Uh, the, there's John and Mac and Steve, mm -hmm. Lois and Fred, mm. Edna and Farmer Joe, Farmer McLeod stood Mary, up and took Walter, the crook out of his Lewis, back and reviewed Dan, his flock. As always, weighing each one against the job to be done, to see which one could be spared and what would be the returns. It ain't a big wash, Sam. One of the girls will do. Uh, well, then send Mary. Call Mary. Uh, don't you need her in the field? Well, she's strong as a boy for her age and reliable. She'll deliver the wash and come back quick. The others might loaf on the way back, and we've got to get that cotton in. Mary's such a sensitive child, Sam. Folks in the big house might say something she won't understand. Well, then it's time she heard it. She's the only one I can spare. Now, be practical, woman. Call her. She'll go. Well, all right. Mary? Oh, Mary. Mary! Farmer McLeod put the crook back in his neck and again plucked at the cotton while his wife put the bundle on Mary's back. Her father was right. She was fast and strong as a boy. She knocked on the door of the ex-master. Oh, Mary. Yes, yes. Oh. Uh, who is it, Colonel? Anybody see little on me? It's just a color girl with the wash. What'll I tell her? Oh, tell her to take it back to the kitchen. You hear that? You know the way back to the kitchen? No, sir. Pick up your feet and find it. Through those rooms and down the hall. Now go on. The girl hurried through the big house, hurried through the maze of rooms, found the kitchen, dropped her bundle, and slowed down on her way back, ogled at the chandeliers, at the glassware, and in one room where all was books, stopped, opened one, stared for a long, dreamy time at the odd language of the printed page. It was the first time she had touched a book. You put down that book. What? Did you hear me? I, I, I was just... Uh, just I was what? 
Reading? No, I can't read. And you never will. Reading's not for the likes of you, and it's time you got that in your thick head. My mother says someday I'll go to school. School? There's no school to take the likes of you. Civil War made you think you were free. But books and school for white folks, <laughs> that's not changed. Your father's gotten uppity with a piece of land, but when he sees he can't pay for it, he'll be right back here. Now you get out. You take care of the laundry, and I will take care of the books. The girl went down the road to the flat acres. Farmer McLeod saw that the traces of tears and that she had been crying, but he kept his back crooked over the cotton until his wife noticed. Sam, I believe Mary's been crying. Well, pay it no mind. Sam at least asked her what's the matter. When a young girl who's likely seen things way out of her reach starts to cry, I ain't foolish enough to ask her questions. <clears throat> Mary? Mom, why can't I read? Why? You see, Mary, look at what it takes to live. Just to live. Look at what it, what, what it needs to keep this farm from going under. Look around you and you'll see if there's any, even a school in Carolina that's open to coloreds. You'll see why, child. Now come on now, hold your own row. She hold her own row and the summer sun watched the McLeod's losing fight. But Mary had glimpsed a different sunrise, and inside she planned for the day when she would again touch the book. The day came close when a stranger drove down to the McClouds. Whoa! Whoa, Mary! Howdy do, sir. Is your name McLeod? It is. I'm Cyrus Brown. Never heard of you, thank the Lord. Good day, young man. I, I don't reckon you have. My church sent me out here to this region. I'm a Methodist. May God forgive you. I'm Baptist. I, I mean, I mean to say, I, I was sent out here to start a school. A school? A school? A school you Be still now. The stranger don't know what he's talking about. There's no school. I'm talking about what's going to happen. I'm opening one, a small one. Maybe if your children would like to go. Mac, John, Mary, be still. School. Then who'll raise the crops? Who'll feed you? It takes every hand we got in a mule just to break even on the land. Who can afford school when there's hardly enough to live on? You children go back to work. The farm's in debt. There's plowing to be done. Now go on now, hold your rows. Well, if that's the way you feel about it, Mr. McLeod, if you ever change your mind. There's more than my mind that needs changing. Well, anyway, school will be open in a week. Just five miles and up the hill. Think about it. Yeah, Mayor. Yeah. Farmer McLeod thought about it. The 17 McLeods thought about it. His wife thought about it. And from then on, there were no peace in the fields. I'll tell you, Ethel, we can't do it. They're on our backs for the payments on this place. And if we slip... Just one child. What good can an ed education do just one child? One can pass it on to others. Sam, you say you're practical. We've got 17 children. I've counted them. Maybe education may one do something we'll all be glad for. Maybe one of them has a, a genius for something. Maybe one can help change things. Oh, Sam, just one. Then which one? You know who you need in the field, who you don't. Well, I need them all. 
Lord, it's a hard choice you give me to choose one and deny the others. We can spare one. Which one? Which one? You make the choice. There's Wilson, the oldest. He's mm -hmm. always had a knack for learning yes. things. And there's Julia. She, she's just starting out. Mm -hmm. And then there's Mac and John. And Farmer McLeod recounted and weighed his brood more carefully than he had ever done before. And he said, Then there's Mary. Oh, Mary. Maybe Mary. Mary. You always said she was different from the rest. Different? Uh-uh. She's the homeless. She'll go. That's an ungodly thing to say about your daughter. Ungodly? My grandfather would say God is a dreamer, but the devil's a practical man. You're practical. Her looks is all I got to go on. Then there was something in her, the way she looked when she came back from that big house that day. Lord, I hope I've chosen right. I can't spare but one seed. Let this one bear fruit. It'll be Mary. In the morning it was Mary, scrubbed and starched, who started to trek to the new school with a caution from Farmer McLeod. You'll be the first in this family to get inside a school. We'll handle your part of the work. Make, make it worth our while. We're risking the farm on you for what I'm not sure yet. Sam. That's too big a burden to put on the child's shoulder. And ain't we assuming the, her load in the fields? Now go on, child. See if this risk is worth our while. Go on. And Mary trotted the five miles to the mission school and met the teacher, calling in his class. Mary McLeod? Yes. Where are your brothers and sisters? I'm learning from my brothers and sisters, too. I see. <clears throat> This class will come to order. We open with singing and prayer. Then I'll teach you letters and numbers. You're on your way to learning. And come rain or shine, she walked the five miles, summer and winter. And she put the magic numbers to work for the village farmers who turned from the ex-masters and came to rely on her to find the worth of their crops. Oh, Mary, the chosen one. Eighteen bales at the price of ten dollars per bale means they should pay you one hundred eighty She figured the weight of the cotton and corn, but Farmer McLeod shook his head and still wondered if he had picked the right one out of seventeen. And one night, the candlelight woke him and he looked over her shoulders. Hmm. Sitting up again. I was figuring the cost of seed for the spring planting. I didn't mean to burn so much of the candles. I'll blow them out. Tell me. Why do you study so hard? Teacher says one in the country may get a scholarship to Chicago. Chicago? Oh, and I'm always dreaming. I go to college, become a teacher, and to start a school where I can give back to my brothers what they gave me. I'm always dreaming. Dreaming, child. God's a dreamer. Be practical like the devil. You'll start no school down here. We need your help on the farm. The old mule's sick and about to drop. And planting time's coming round. Now you put them dreams away, child. But she kept the dream until she had learned all the school could teach. But when the farm mule died, the dream nearly died. Now there's no use standing round looking at a dead mule. Be practical. Joe, see what the carcass will sell for. Mm. Hereafter, we'll all take turns pulling the plow. Mary, you're through with your books. When your turn comes, you'll hit yourself to the plow, same as the rest. 
The ground's got to be broken. She put off the dream and strained in the halter to break the ground. And when the sun rose and set in the Carolina sky, it again counted 17 McClouds until the new teacher came down the hill, waving papers he claimed were mightier than the plow. Mary! Oh, Mary, Mary. Mary, look what's come for you. Mary's busy. She's learned all she can learn in your school. Now leave us alone. But there's other schools, Mr. McLeod. Where? Here. Look where the scholarship came from. In Chicago, Mary won it. How will a scholarship help me break the ground and save my farm? Well, in a quiet way, in the long run it might. Look, McLeod, you spared her once, and you saw what she learned. Spare her again. Plant the seed in a richer field. See what the return will be. Give one child out of 17 a chance. You're a practical man. One girl can't save the farm. No. One girl can't save the farm. Nothing can. All right. She'll go. And the whole county came to the station to see her go. She was the first freedman's girl to explore education outside the county. Farmer McLeod put her on the train while his 16 children stood quiet and watched with longing. I don't rightfully understand about this education, why some think it's more powerful than the plow, but I guess you'll find out how to use it, child. I'll be looking for the answer. But if you're going to start a school like you're dreaming about, you're going to need more than education. And when you find a place to start your school... But this is the place, Father. I'm going to start it here. Never mind, child. It'll be a long time before you're ready. And maybe we won't be here. Pick a place where school is needed. Don't wait to find a fancy place. Build your school where it's needed. Dig your roots deep. And don't let them tear you up. Now say goodbye to your brothers and sisters and get on board. Bye! Mary told the 16 goodbye and boarded the train for schools in Chicago, New York, and New Jersey. She added to her name a doctor's degree and married and became Bethune. Then, 20 years later, she rode south again to pick up her dream. The train stopped at a Florida station. Mrs. Bethune had an appointment with a real estate salesman. I'm looking for uh, uh, Mrs. Bethune. She's a teacher. Uh, Anybody look like they're educated around here? I'm Mrs. Bethune. Oh, you. Oh, you're the woman who wrote asking about the property I had for sale. Isn't it still for sale? Well, I don't know. Selling the color, kind of risky. For whom? For you. I came here to take that risk. Well, don't tell me I didn't warn you, okay? If you're willing to take it off my hands, I won't stop you now. Let's step into my gas buggy here. We'll drive you on out to see it. We'll see if she'll... See if you'll start. It usually doesn't start, but <clears throat> we'll see. <laughs> there she goes. All right. An ancient <laughs> car bounced along the road, and Realtor Wiggins drove out past the city limits and finally stopped before the land he wanted to sell. The site for the college was a garbage dump. Is this the ground? Every smelling inch of it. <laughs> Ignore them hills and cars and stuff. There's good solid ground under all that. You're not going back anywhere, are you? I wanted something for a campus. Well, now, you said you wanted property in a poor community. Well, it don't get any poorer than this. It's a, it's a natural. 
Look, I tell you what I'll do. I'll, I'll, I'll toss in that, uh, that old cabin down there. Are you taking it or leaving it? I guess I'll have to try to take it. Fine, fine, that's fine, okay. Payment starts right now. 200 down and 200 a month till it's all paid off, then it's all your... Oh, well thank you for the check, ma'am. Now I make my collections once a month on the first. My rules are easy, you keep out of trouble, you obey the laws, you, you don't upset none of our southern customs, if you know what I mean, and, and we'll get along just fine. Oh, Mary! She looked over the ground again and pictured the beauty underneath the grime and waste. Then she set about collecting students who were ready for it, and promised them a college, and led them to the site and saw their hopes fall. And they asked her. Is, is this the campus you were talking about? Ma'am, this place used to be the city dump. We can't go to school in a city dump, ma'am. Listen, this is all I can do for a beginning. That's, there's got to be a beginning somewhere. The state laws keep Negro students out of regular colleges. We'll fight to change those laws, but right now, there must be schools that can train teachers. We can clear these dumps and build a college with our own hands. It'll be different from any college in the country, but it'll be a good one, and it'll grow. With your help, I'll direct it. Will you help? All right. All right. We'll try. Well, then your first assignment will be to clear out the city dump. Her freshmen took over the ground and in a year leveled the land, planted grass, and built a hall. And while they worked, she rode all over the state on her bicycle, telling the farmers of the new school and collecting donations to pay for it. And some were short of cash. I can't afford to pay apart with my cash, ma'am. Only man around here, can, uh, that's the old Major White. The bicycle manufacturer? Yep, right generous man. If you get him in a good mood, but if a crate of my best eggs will help your students, well, help yourself to them. Me and my old man can't give you college money, Miss Beth Yoon. Why don't you ask Major White? Right nice man when it comes to giving. I'm gonna look for him. Right now all I can part with is, hey Lester, Lester? Yeah, boy? Fetch up to them speckled pigs. <laughs> I'm gonna send them to college. And she kept riding over the state on her bicycle, looking for donators to pay off the debt on the land, until one evening she ran into one. Oh, hey, hey, look out, mister, what look out. Oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. You saw me coming. You did it deliberately. You were crossing the streets against the lights. Why didn't you look up? I did look up. Oh, no wonder. Woman driver. On a bicycle or in a Buick, woman drivers are all alike. Stupid. Why do you wild women deliberately knock a man down? Maybe it's because we want to knock some sense into your pig heads. Woman, do you know who you're calling pig headed? Do you know who you're calling stupid? No, no and, and I, I don't, don't care. care. May I inform you that I am Major Stuart Clark. And may I inform you that I am President Mary McLeod Bethune. You're who? Major White. And you oh. are that college president who wrote me for a donation. Well, I... I guess I am. Well, I am the last man you should want to run down and murder, woman. I'm sorry. I suppose that ends the donation. Oh, no. It'll end no such thing. I've got to donate something to get you off that bicycle before you kill every man in the state. Let me... Let me look over this college of yours. 
The Major looked over the Bethune Foundation and gave enough to clear away the debts. The dream of Farmer McLeod's daughter took life. Subjects were chosen and classes were going. But there were those who didn't like what the new college was teaching, like the friends of Realtor Wiggins, whom he brought into the president's office. Mr. Wiggins, you wanted to see me? Well, uh, not exactly. See, there's some friends, and they want to have a meeting. With well, bring you them at... in. Bring them in. Okay. There. And now don't look so worried. I mailed you the last payment on this Oh, place. it's not the payments I'm here for. I mean, it's not for me. It's for you, see. What are you trying to say? Well... They want to know if you're interested in selling Here, the Here, let me chair this meeting, Wiggins. Uh, Bethune, we're willing to take this place off your hands, uh, to put it a nice way. Yeah, we know what price you paid for it, and we'll double it. I uh, thank you, but Mr. Wiggins must have told you why I bought it. He didn't need to tell us. We're beginning to see why you bought it, and we don't like what we're seeing. And what we've been hearing. Well, what are you talking about? These radical classes you're teaching. Teaching the good colored folks down here the Bill of Rights and the Constitution and, and all them un-American attitudes towards the state segregation laws. You see, we aim to keep foreign influence out of this state. We like it peaceful down here. See, it's the voting. See, you're telling the students to vote and come into the primaries. It's cost all this. Well, yes, we have special classes in civics. I thought they were needed. And we've special customs concerning the colored folks voting in elections. And by gum, they're needed. Wiggins, you shouldn't have sold the land without consulting the proper authorities. Uh, I will. We're offering you a right smart prize, Bethune. Now, to pay for some of the work you put in here, how soon do you think you can disband this school? Gentlemen. If you just didn't keep insisting on the voting seat. Will you be quiet? How can a woman decide with your jabbering? Gentlemen, I've decided about this a very long time ago. The land's not for sale. That's final. Well, you're asking for it. If you wouldn't bother about the vote and see, we could patch it up. And then if people vote or not, that's no concern of a college. It'll be one of the concerns of this one. Can you be reasonable? Will you stop pleading with her, you fool? The proper organizations can handle this thing better than we can. Woman, if you're educated, you'll prepare to leave here. If you've got sense, you'll keep your folks from the polls on election day. And don't forget that, Bethune. She, she won't forget it. Because when the time comes, a reminding committee will come around to refresh her memory. Meeting's over. The meeting was over. She walked out over the green campus, fearful and perplexed, and watched the students coming and going. Then she looked back to the day when a little girl had delivered laundry to an ex-slave master and remembered the words of her father. She went back, taught in the classes, and almost forgot what the men said. But the elections, the reminding committee revisited the campus. A student saw them first. Miss, Miss Bethune! Miss Bethune! What is it, child? Who's after you? They've been on the campus. They? The Ku Klux Klan. They've burned crosses over the lawn. Come on and look. Look. Let's see. Now control yourself or the other students awake. No, I was coming in late and... Then you'll waken them and bring them down on the lawn. On the lawn? And tell them to bring their history books with them. We'll sit around the crosses. We're going to have a lesson on the Bill of Rights. Hurry. There'll be enough light for them to see by. Yes. There's a light enough out there to see quite a few things. 
She called the classes down on the lawn and sat around the fiery crosses and drove home the lesson of her life while the fire flickered. My friends and students, this school we've built has grown almost great in the short time since we established it. Else why would tyrants and bigots be afraid of it? When I was a child, my brothers and sisters had to go ignorant and unlettered so that I could learn. And my father wondered if I would use my education in the right way. I think this is the right way. To use education to liberate mankind. My father was a practical man. And we'll be practical. And help free not just ourselves, but those around us. So this week, there will be no lessons from your books. The assignment of the students in Bethune College is to go into the homes of every man and woman who has the right to vote and to escort him to the polls. We'll lead them there this year and every year. That'll be your final examination. May you pass it. The students made note of their assignment and went out and passed the final examinations. Qualified Negro voters voted that year, and in the years after, in spite of the Klansmen and the Crosses, the college grew and its president went about the business of building it, and it was too busy to answer the phone when it rang a month later, until a student said, Uh, Mrs. Bethune. What is it, child? Can't you see I'm busy? I, I know, but it's Washington calling. Then take the message. Take it, the message. It's from the White House. The White House? Yes, President Roosevelt wants to know if you'll accept the position of Assistant Director of Education for the National Youth Administration. Will you answer them? Yes, child. I'll answer. I'll answer them. She answered and took the job. Farmer McLeod never lived to learn whether he had picked the right one from his 17 children. The President of the United States believed that he had. Mary, one out of seventeen. You have just heard Destination Freedom's dramatization of the story of the beloved Negro educator Mary McLeod Bethune. Destination Freedom is written by Richard Durham and is produced by Danielle Betts. One out of seventeen was directed by Jeffrey W. Nicholson. The cast for One Out of Seventeen included Greg Ward, Jan Van Sickle, Jeffrey W. Nicholson, Rodney Franks, Kurt Soderstrom, Wendelin Harston, Vincent C. Robinson, Rolando Garcia, Ruth A. as Mary McLeod Bethune, and the singer was Claire Frances Peterson. Musical direction by Jan Van Sickle with sound effects by Gabriel. The engineers for this program were Darren Gabbard and Greg Benson. Special thanks to our staff photographer, Mark Austin of Watch Your Eyes Productions, and to Dr. C.J. White, Dr. Beverly Robinson, and Dr. Art Jones, our historical advisors. Thank you for listening. I'm Rodney Franks. That concludes this episode of Destination Freedom Black Radio Days. I'm producer-director, Danielle Benz. Support for Destination Freedom is provided by the Bonfie Stanford Foundation the Olympians Fund of the Denver Foundation, Arts and Society, and Karen and Johnny Klein. Destination Freedom Black Radio Days is produced by Danielle Betts. The series is remixed by Maurice Smith, a.k.a. Reese. Make sure you check us out at nocredits.com and pick up our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. iTunes, Radio Public, Spotify, etc. 
Follow us at Twitter at Donnie Betts, hashtag No Credits Production LLC, hashtag Black Radio Days, hashtag Destination Freedom Black Radio Days. Thank you for listening. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.